Hello. Hi. Welcome. To it's a Shame. Podcast that's all about debunking shame. That's our goal. We've got some special guests. Yay. So I'm Danielle Nelson. I'm Lily Rogers. And today we have with us, do you want to introduce each other? That might be kind of fun. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I'm, oh, okay. But then voice wise. Yeah, that might be confusing. Confusing. <laughs> that could be confusing. All right. But you can say this is me and Major. And this is Edie Stark. Yeah, that was, that was, and so we're having them on, uh, not only because they are the reason that this podcast exists. Yep. No joke. No joke. Like, seriously. I don't know about that, but okay. (laughs) We talked about it for a long time, and then we went to dinner with you guys, and we were like, oh, what next steps should we take? And you were kind enough to have us on your podcast, and... Mm-hmm. Then we said, yes, we're doing this. And then it was out there in the world as a fact. And yep. then we had to do it. Yeah, that was like definitely the pull the bandaid off time and just like start recording something. So that's, yeah, that made it happen for sure. And that ended up being our favorite episode, yeah. I believe, of both seasons. So mm-hmm. thank you so oh, much. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, um, our ratings are probably going to be through the roof. Because we've <laughs> got a you super now that you're in here. Yeah, we've got some celebrities. <laughs> we have like 10 iTunes reviews. So all five stars. You have a perfect score. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I don't know how many we have. I don't even know what our star rating is. I don't either. I think like Jamie has rated us probably and left a review. So we need to get some more on there. Please rate, review on iTunes. (laughs) But your podcast is breaking down. Mm -hmm. And you wanna like explain a little bit about it? Yeah, so we've been on hiatus for a bit. We we haven't talked about this in a long time. We need to get back to it. So maybe this will be our push back into re-recording. <laughs> You're Thanks. welcome. Yes, thanks so much for returning the favor. But yeah, Mia and I kind of dreamed up this idea of breaking down topics from like anything, from divorce to weight stigma to like anything in between, but from both like a therapeutic and humanistic perspective. Um, and kind of us just being conversational about it and then taking on guests when we had topics that maybe we weren't as well versed in or to get another unique insight to it. Excellent. I love it. Yeah, maybe divorce will be episode one of of season season three. three. Um, I'm super into that topic. Yeah. And need to listen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so sure, it needs to happen. So see, now it has to happen because you've teased it. You put it out there in the world. 2020, so we'll do it. Sweet. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy because we are deciding that we're wrapping up our first season. So mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know. We haven't even talked about taking a break or anything. Yeah. We're just <laughs> like, like, we at some point we have to stop this. And just <laughs> not, This is season one. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but thanks for being on. Thanks yeah, for being thank on. It's an honor. And um, a little behind the scenes, we had some t- technical difficulties. Mm, naturally. Um, and you guys were just so first of all let me just say that their setup because we've seen it is like so professional it's so funny you say that no it is it really is and then i'm like you know you guys come over like will we sit on the floor at my coffee table and then we spend like 20 minutes trying to remember the thing we do every fucking week and watch the same video about how to do it that we watch every week you're getting confused up yeah true true yeah yeah we should do a shout out on twitter or something (laughs) thanks guy (laughs) i don't know his name right now but thanks guy (laughs) (laughs) and i get to sit with these really cute kitties oh yeah you know 
They always love to make an appearance on the podcast <laughs> yeah. with some random noises and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And now they're just like circling us om- ominously, like we're yeah. going to make noise and get <laughs> in your situation. Yeah. We're gonna jump around. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, I texted you guys ahead of time about our segment, brand new information, which Lily and I have been just kind of doing is like a warm up. Yeah, and- it's pretty new. I think we've done it. Two or three times? Yeah, it's it's new, brand new information, mm-hmm. so it's fresh. So mm-hmm. um, would anyone like to start? Sure. Today I just learned <clears throat> randomly that, um, you know, the term cellulite Ooh. Yeah, was not even a thing. It was just considered normal female flesh until 1973. And that, like, in the book The Beauty Myth, is where um, mm. she talks about, Naomi Wolf talks about how propaganda started to come about about and using that term at that point. Wow. <clears throat> and then it just became like the devil word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This thing that we all... Or a way to shame you into like feeling that something's wrong with you if you have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when give we... a name to something yeah. and then you can like point fingers at it. And make profit from it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. One hundred. Creams, lotions, potions, exercises, massage. Fat. It's just like something we all have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Interesting. And I actually personally like, and I like crow's feet, and I like dimple. I mean, that's just so. Mm-hmm. To me, it wasn't. You know, I'm I'm glad I didn't kind of go through hell over that over the years. But I know that a lot of people have. So yeah, definitely. I hope more people realize this soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great one. I literally just read that right before we got here. And I was like, maybe I'll do that one. (laughs) How funny. You didn't do that. (laughs) That's a good one. I feel like 70, you said 73. 73. Mm -hmm. Mm. That kind of seems like, yeah, (laughs) basically like the marketing world caught on to it. They're like, aha, we found one. Uh, uh, Yeah, we can sell them more things. Bathing suits are getting smaller and uh, you're out there in the world. Let's make you feel bad about it. Yeah. Huh, interesting. Well, I can go next because it kind of segues because I know that people also say that cellulite, they call it like cottage cheese or whatever. Um, but because it's, well, we should introduce the topic too. We are going to be talking about food today and eating and eating shame and all of those things. Um, so I was thinking about that and thinking about food that I love. And one of my favorite things in the world is cheese. And actually, Danielle's husband, Jamie, calls me a cheese freak <laughs> because I have a favorite cheese. And I know it by sight. And we were at a restaurant once and there was a little square of it uh, in on a stick that was in Stephanie's Bloody Mary that she ordered. And I looked at the waitress and I was like, is that Tillamook? And she was like, yes, it is. And Jamie was like, what is wrong with you? And Lily was so proud. She was just like, I can tell I can Tillamook, Tillamook anywhere. Yeah. So that cheddar? Yeah. Well, their main seller is cheddar and it's my favorite cheddar in the whole world so yeah Yeah. I was just thinking about it and I was like oh I'll look up fun Tillamook facts and I did not know this but it's a co-op of like a hundred farms that like contribute to the cheese making and in a town called Tillamook Oregon but my favorite thing that I learned is that the town has a nickname and it's the most Oregon thing ever (laughs) it's Cheese, trees, and ocean breeze. Oh, <laughs> I was like, and now really it's cute. even cuter. Yeah. Sounds like maybe your new hometown. I know, right? <laughs> I need to move back up there and uh, live in Tillamook and just like visit dairy farms and eat all the cheese. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great one. <laughs> I'm random. getting you a bumper sticker that says that. Oh my God, I would die. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. 
So yeah, that's my that's my brand new information. Nice, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, um, I can go next. It's very related to our topic. Um, I was watching the Today Show yesterday, and I don't watch it that often anymore because there's a lot of problematic things that go on in there. But they started mm-hmm. talking about that the food and drug administration, I think that's correct, just started this new initiative that they want to put not only the calories of food, but the amount of exercise that you would need to do oh, in order no. to Whoa. quote unquote, get rid of said food oh um, to God. motivate people to make quote unquote, better choices. And it's, I have a lot to say on it. So oh, maybe yeah. I can, when we're going more into that, so I can talk about it. But yeah, definitely. If you see it, you don't need to do that. It's total bullshit. Ugh. And that's yeah. just unnecessary. Completely yeah. unnecessary. And- is, aren't there countries, I think that this happens in the UK, I could be totally wrong, they don't even call them, like, they don't say calories, they say energy. Mm-hmm. Like, this mm-hmm. is the amount of energy, yeah. or, like, why wouldn't it be the opposite? Like, this is how long your body can get fueled to do amazing things when you eat the food that you're supposed to be eating. Like, yes. mm-hmm. I don't know, because not supposed to be, but, you know, when you're eating, yeah. <laughs> like, calories to keep you alive. Yeah. yeah, hand in hand. Yeah. Like, two of those, like, words that are just, like, put out there to make mm-hmm. us feel shameful and shitty about our bodies, regardless of... Mm-hmm. what you look like, you know, or how you feel, they're dependent on you feeling pretty uncomfortable so that you will continue to buy the shit they're trying to sell you that you don't need. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So my brand new information is a question that I have for each of you because it will be brand new information to me. I love okay. it. So holiday edition. Ooh. Okay. So you're at a Christmas party and there is a dessert table potluck style. It's like mm-hmm. the dessert potluck of your dreams, but in a cruel twist of fate. You can only choose one dessert. What do you go with? And this is holiday, so even holiday themed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My favorite dessert is always baklava. And if people have that on a table, I will 100% go for that because I love the combination of like the buttery thin phyllo dough or whatever, mm-hmm. the chopped nuts and honey. It's just like mm-hmm. so yummy and decadent and it just makes me want to eat like a full tray of it. So, can I have one thing and it be a tray? Yeah. <laughs> oh, cool, cool, cool. You get yeah. all of it if you pick it. Right? Yeah, yeah, you get yeah. all of it. You, cool. you, you just take the entire thing. You know, you just take the entire dish with a spoon and then just go to town. Yeah. Um, anybody have a favorite? Well, there's, a, you know, I, I make this kind of, I'm not like a baker and I'm not like the very domestic at all, but somehow I'm really into making these special cookies. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're called gosh, maybe wafer cookies or something, but mm-hmm. they're very, very buttery, and then you make an icing in between them. Oh, gosh. And then, you, you know, you, you cut them out into little Christmas shapes, and you make, like, a beautiful mint green-colored icing. Just I don't know, not mint-flavored, but just basically a, a sugar cookie with buttercream frosting in yes, between. Yes, please. That sounds yes. amazing. Mm-hmm. Heaven. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mine would be, in this term... It's just what she calls it, the person who created it, which is <laughs> Gobby um, from What's Gobby Cooking, but it's called Slutty Brownies. Ooh. And it is chocolate chip cookie, Oreos, brownies. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yes, and yes, yes. For the holidays, so she does Peppermint Jojo's uh, in the middle. Oh, yes. Oh, a Peppermint Jojo will turn your life around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know where those chocolate-covered ones? Yes, yes, yes. Oh. Chocolate or fudge-covered Oreos. Oh. They're so good. You've made me the slutty brownies, <laughs> and I'll never forget it. <laughs> I don't know how to do them gluten-free. Uh, no, you know, 
<laughs> Perfect. Well, what about you, Danielle? Um, okay, so on this tray, like, here's the thing, like, I'm just having such a fun time with my imagination, picturing all the fun desserts that are coming to my mind. It's, it's really a delight. Mm -hmm. Um, but I feel like anytime there's anything with ice cream, I'm going to go ice cream. Mm. Like, there's something about ice cream that I just adore. But if we're talking like a potluck, yeah, ice cream might not be out there. I love a good brownie. Yeah. I love a brownie. Like, if I see a dessert tray and, like, there's a brownie, I'm going for the Are brownie. Are you a corner person where you like it a little mm. bit crispy on the outside? Or do you like a gooey middle brownie? Like a gooey middle. Mm -hmm. Better like for that. ice cream. I'm with yeah. you, girl. <laughs> yeah. And, and a la mode, all the better. Uh -huh. Like, that's mm -hmm. when I was uh -huh. heat up the brownie a bit, put a little yeah. ice cream. Well, if you love ice cream, you can come visit me in Tillamook because they make excellent <laughs> ice cream there also. <laughs> yeah. Tillamook. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes, it is. That's a no, great it's... question. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, um, I don't know. I've been trying. I, well, really, it's just that I'm lazy is the thing. And so I'm just like, I should have gotten brand new information. So then the last two times, I think I've been like, here, here's my brand new information. Let me learn it right here on the yeah. spot. You know, like, It's kind of fun, though. Smart. Yeah. Okay, yeah. thanks. And it's yeah, relevant to it. Nice reframe. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm lazy. You're like, no, it's clever. It's I'm like, fun. it is clever. Yeah. And then it shows that you're interested in other people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so as Lily mentioned, today's topic is food as it relates to shame. Uh, Lily and I were talking about, uh, as we do, um, food with the holidays with family and all the other pressures and just last week's episode was a lot about the kind of like commercialization of shame and trying to sell us products to hide cellulite because we haven't been counting calories and like mm -hmm. all of that bullshit mm -hmm. um and uh not only have we wanted to have you on but this topic really made me think of the both of you because uh both Edie and Mia are uh therapists and uh, they do work in the uh, eating disorder community clinic, ED. You guys call that ED, right? Yeah. Or do you say, yeah, okay. Which is very funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 the, the ED community. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I figured not only would you have probably some clinical expertise uh, that could probably be useful to folks who are struggling with uh, eating or withholding or restricting during the holiday season, um, but just those of us who are worried about other people who we see doing it mm -hmm. around us. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine what it's like to sort of, you know, have, like, issues with food or eating. I mean, everybody does, but, <clears throat> I mean, I'm not usually that hard on myself about that sort of stuff, but around this time, like, even I feel it too, you know? It's just, like, you Definitely. start thinking, like, why am I eating another piece? Like, I've been straight up eating Halloween candy since Halloween <laughs> and have not stopped, like, eating it, like, every day. And I'm like, why am I doing this? This seems like a bad idea. But I'm like, it's there, and it's fun. And then it's, like, those little, like, games that you play with yourself where you're like, oh, but it's just the holidays. It's fine. Mm -hmm. But then you're like, but you shouldn't justify it because, you know, it is the holidays and you should be saving it for the big events. And, like, it's just a war in there. Like, yeah, it is. Of, like, all of these, like, decisions that you're making and then justifying it. And, uh, yeah, it's 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 pressureful. Yeah. And the thing that, like, I mean, I have so much to say that I'll try and be succinct because I'm a little wordy. Um, but, <laughs> like, the first question I always say for people who come into my office or friends or family who are struggling at all is, like, 
with these thoughts or behaviors that you're having around your food intake or your body, like who's profiting from that, mm. right? And like 90% of the time it's diet culture, which is a $66 billion industry. Yeah. And so if you can start to reframe that of like, it's not me, like, of course I'm struggling. Of course I'm having these thoughts and these behaviors because I'm being told by society at large that like I'm X, I'm this, my choice in this makes me this. Right. Yeah. And if we can start to separate that out as not like so internal, but as an external thing of like, well, screw that. Like, I don't want to give money to the $66 billion monstrosity that is diet culture. Like I want to make the choice because I really like candy mm-hmm. and like, I don't need to save up energy. Like I get to eat whatever I want, whenever I want. And the more that we can make peace with that idea, the easier it is to engage in normalized eating. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just so hard. I mean, I feel like when you said like it's a battle or like a war, it feels very much that way because even when I feel confident and kind of like there's this new term for like intuitive eating, which is what I always feel like I'm doing without thinking about it when I'm at my best. Like I'm eating when I want to eat as much as I want to eat and like what feels good to me. And then somewhere, somehow, whether it's an image somewhere or a fill in the blank, it triggers it all again. And then it becomes the shoulds. Mm. I should be doing this. I shouldn't be doing that. I shouldn't eat that. I should eat more of this. I should restrict. Um, And it just becomes like this yo-yo effect. And it's the external pressure is very real and very constant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's... Yeah, definitely. And like... also, I mean, because just kind of coming off of last week and talking about, like, advertising and the commodification of things, like, you're getting so many different messages mm-hmm. and so many, like, all at once, and especially this time of year, because, like, for me, like, food is really closely tied with family and, like, tradition and those types of things, and, like, this is the time of year that you spend with your family, or, like, some people, most people, a lot of people, um, but it's, like, that stuff comes out and, like, all of those, like, ways that you kind of grew up eating and then like how it's just tied to yeah just I don't know like your self-image how it developed Mm -hmm. um you know it's just it's so fraught with so many things and yeah it's just hard to unpack it all Mm. and the eating patterns you've learned yeah from your family whether they're good or bad yeah they're still Mm -hmm. there Mm -hmm. yeah I've had like a dieting dad my whole life he's like almost 70 I'm like dad are you ever gonna just like not make comments every time I see you that you mm-hmm. need to lose weight or huh, just like yeah. you're 70 bro yeah <laughs> what up like can you just chill I know and it's like how much of my and the thing I always go back to is like how much of my life am I gonna spend looking into a mirror and saying really shitty things to myself yeah. like how much of my life how much of my energy do I want to put into that and being like oof, your arms have seen better days who gives a fuck? Go out and enjoy yourself. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting too, because you've, you've said this before where, you know, you hear it from, you know, like older people, like, and you know, your dad, for instance, like when, yeah, when does it end? And does it just become a pattern that's like, is it comfortable for people to just kind of exist in that realm of like, okay, I'm, I'm monitoring myself. And I guess that makes me feel good or like yeah, it's I'm like accomplishing what they know. something yeah. or like what I'm doing yeah but like is that necessarily healthy and like at one point you would like to think that you're just going to be like comfortable eating what you want and with your body and yourself but I guess it never yeah it never ends right unless you sort of make the steps to help it end mm-hmm. and yeah 
don't and know. You guys can probably explain this to me because the thing I've always thought about it is like, so a lot of it is about control, right? I mean, like the restricting, especially, or the calorie counting, or like the, it's about like the illusion of control or like having control over food. But then like the, the irony seems to me that like, then you have to like get control back of your life mm-hmm. and it becomes totally. this like cycle. Yeah. And it's like tug of war. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly. And it's not always send in control. Like it can be lots of different things. I, my personal theory on it is trauma response, mm-hmm. um, which can be like control, like behavior that needs mm-hmm. to come up, but it's a survival. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the cat almost fell off the table. Oh, Fiona's um, doing her thing. It's a, survival skill um and it, you have to just learn to do other and that's that so ladies i should say full house <laughs> welcome home thank you um, carry on <laughs> okay maybe the cats will follow you because they're like dying to knock stuff over yeah, Fiona just had a, a really dramatic, bold moment where she was trying to knock some things over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry, Edie. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. no. Help me collect my thoughts. So I think of eating disorder behavior just like any kind of maladaptive coping skill is it came and created itself at a time of need. So usually when someone is really struggling or there's trauma involved, they needed the eating disorder to numb out, to dissociate, to get a sense of control, to do all sorts of different things. And so if we can start to look at it from the lens of like validation and compassion of like, of course this happened, you Mm. needed this. And like, how can we help you to instate healthier coping skills that aren't necessarily going to harm you or hurt you to help you feel more whole and help you feel your feelings. Mm. Um, And that's like a very watered down kind of explanation of it but I think even for people who aren't struggling with full-fledged diagnostic eating disorders right Right. like chronic dieting and like what is the root of that why is that the drive is there shame involved like what are we trying to fix and do and is there ways that we can help you find your worthiness and value outside of food and body Mm -hmm. so that you stop moralizing those things of if I didn't go to spin class today I'm bad if I did I'm good if I ate salad i'm great if i ate the cookie i'm terrible yeah because like those have nothing to do with your value and worth but society likes to tell you it does and right. you know, when you talked when you mentioned earlier about the kind of like feel your feelings thing and kind of eating being like almost like a numbing thing mm-hmm. sometimes i'm wondering how much of eating around the holidays and kind of this um I can only eat this now because I'm going to do this this weekend and I'm going to be bad or I'm going to be that or, or, and then it usually for myself, I'm, if I ever restrict, I'm just going to yo-yo. Like I I restrict and then it's like, oh, I look really good at that point in my life. And it's like, yeah. And then I probably put on like 15 pounds within a couple weeks or so, like within a month, because I was like. I haven't eaten anything. It's inevitable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just, that's your body being super smart. And so uh, there's a saying, and I don't like fully back it, but I think we've talked about this too, of like, I've never met a binge that didn't have restriction involved, Mm -hmm. right? I think there are people who have binge eating disorder. But most of the time. But most of it, even if it's not that you're not eating, it's that you're not eating certain things. There's some form of restriction going Mm -hmm. on that's creating this very fundamental survival skill of I need to binge, I need Mm -hmm. to eat. So when we're very, very like... I don't know, structured or strict or rigid in our food in your eating, 
the body is going to be like, um, I'm in starvation mode and mm-hmm. I'm so worried that we're going to die. So like, I'm going to hold on to everything so much more mm-hmm. when you do feed me. Cause I'm not sure when you're going to starve me again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's what we see all the time with chronic dieting is that that's the number one indicator of someone getting an eating disorder. And it's also more likely that you will, the most likely indication that you will gain weight, which weight gain is not necessarily problematic ever. Like, yeah. So I also want to point that out. Yeah. Your bodies are smart. It's going to do what it wants to do. Mm-hmm. Totally. I've never had a client come in that didn't have the restriction binge pattern if they were coming in for binge eating. Just put it that mm-hmm. way. Okay. I've never had a client that, you know, was not a woman or basically I'll just simplify it. If I have a female client, we talk about their weight, mm-hmm. you know, and then like in my therapy sessions, I talk about my weight. And, like, the amount of energy that it takes up just pisses me off. No Mm -hmm. single thing has made me want to be, like, fuck diet culture Mm -hmm. more than seeing directly as a clinician how many incredibly bright, capable women that I see spending all of this energy Mm -hmm. and really, like, in sorrowful, dark places about beating themselves up about a weight. And I'm sitting across from a woman and I'm like, you're killing it at life. You're crushing it. And like the fact that you're spending any energy on this is infuriating. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's just testament to like how powerful those messages Mm -hmm. are and how like deep, like they can tap into the things that kind of allow those thoughts to like fester in your mind. Right. And that is like a very shame based thing. I, I think it, that like, it's not necessarily even, totally what you look like or what you're actually eating or whatever. It's just sort of like a sense of worth and like the, the visual manifestation of that is like, yeah, like something that you can probably like control or like nitpick at because it's so much harder to like think about like the internal stuff and like the emotional side of it that, Mm -hmm. Uh, is is causing those things it's just sort of like oh I look like this so I therefore am like my worth level is at like this yeah place and I wonder like if during the holidays like again like blocking feeling those feelings if people are kind of in a place where the holidays are stressful yeah and so I can imagine that it's like there's lots of good treats and food around because it's the holidays people want to share love food so much of love is about food and the other way around and so it's like oh, I did this, I ate that, now I have to, like, not eat dinner, or now I have to, like, completely skip that, or I, you know, and I'm, I just, it sucks. I feel like, I mean, and you both, this, you do this in your practice, do you see more of it at the holidays, that people are more triggered? It depends. If someone is, like, full-fledged in their eating disorder, while it might get a little bit more intense, it's... it's I mean, there's always matter. something. There's yeah. always going to be something that's creating this kind of chaos and this mm, havoc. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say for people who are more on like the disordered eating or chronic diet or spectrum, absolutely, because they're also getting, as you're saying, like these messages mm-hmm. that like you have to make up for food, or if you eat this, you can't eat that, and like that's just not one how our bodies work. Mm-hmm. And two, like I, there's one of my very best friends is an eating disorder dietitian. Uh, Laura Stagliano, she's out of New York, and she says to clients, she's like, there's not a little man that sits in, like, your throat and decides, I'm going to digest this beautifully, and I'm going to send this straight to your hips. Our yeah. bodies mm-hmm. don't do yeah. that. Right. We digest food, and we use the energy that we need to do, and our number one energy resource is carbohydrates, yeah. and yet that's so demonized mm-hmm. oh by so gosh. many people when, like, that's what our bodies need 
to run efficiently. Right. And normally. now like with keto, like the whole thing is like carbs are the <laughs> devil. Like, <laughs> and like there are these documentaries, I haven't seen them, but like, Don't there's watch a, them. yeah, there's this whole thing about like, if you cut them out, it'll cure cancer. You know what? It's like crazy. Oh, yeah. Like the claims they're making. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I just love bread, you know, and I want to eat it. And I'll tell you what, if I'm, if I cut carbs, I guarantee you, it's like I said earlier, if I cut carbs on Wednesday and Thursday on Friday, I'm going to have bread for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Which you didn't have anyway. Which I could have anyway. (laughs) Blowing my mind. It's like you live in this, or one lives, me, let's say operates in this land where it's like everything in moderation. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's not so true in one's mind's eye because then it's like, what does moderation mean to you? Because it's not truly moderation. Mm-hmm. It's like restriction. Yeah. yeah. It's another word for restriction. Yeah, exactly. That mm-hmm. got co-opted. And like, there's also, you know, like the whole wellness industry, which like co-opted diet culture and like these, now they're like, it's a lifestyle, not a diet. But if the goal is intentional weight loss, it's a diet. Yeah. And diets fail 95% of the time. So just use that as validation for like, you're not the failure. If you're struggling, it's the way it's set up so that they continue to make money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They don't want you to be successful. They want you to keep thinking you're failing and trying the next best thing, Mm -hmm. which is just disordered. Mm -hmm. You were asking about just holiday. Um, like if it ramps up at all, Mm -hmm. I noticed one thing that I've done in the past, I guess six and a half years now is it's always around this time we're focusing a lot on like exposure response prevention with the clients. Like say if if I was working in treatment in the past, we would have full blown exposures of a Thanksgiving dinner, Christmas dinner, or any sort of holiday, not just those. And then have the clients and the staff do that with them Mm -hmm. in order to like cope ahead and prepare and see how they do. And then the mindful eating group I do now will do the same thing. Um, Kind of just try to, to, display like what maybe a a general sense of a holiday meal would be like and it it can be really helpful just for them to like practice you know Mm. is a lot of that rooted in the modeling of like other people modeling but also just like the exposure of just you know the more we can be exposed to certain foods again Mm -hmm. and then it takes their threat level down exactly Mm -hmm. so that when you are at you know grandpa joe's holiday dinner it's not the first time that you're being exposed to the plethora of food and you've mm-hmm. done it and you know you can mm-hmm. and it reinstates your confidence around it to make the choices that you want to make that honor your body yeah. and your wishes yeah oh that's so fascinating mm-hmm. what would you say is sort of like your relationships like with food and has it changed the more you've learned about it and the more that you've like treated people and and just educated yourself you want me to go first? Do you want me to go first or you want to go first? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I, and I say this, like, throughout, like, all of my marketing stuff and my website, like, I am not a recovered um, practitioner, meaning, like, I never struggled with an eating disorder, um, so a lot of people in the field are, um, and I think that that's an incredible blessing for so many people to have that lived experience and see recovery kind of personified and mm-hmm. see that it's worth it and it's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very lucky in the fact that I never personally struggled with a full-fledged eating disorder. I definitely had moments of disordered eating growing up. Um, I remember in high school, one of my friends was doing the special K diet, which was basically starvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like a special K bar and a bowl of cereal. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, I remember meal. that one. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's cool. Like, I'll do it. 
And I tried to do it for, I think, like, three days. Mm-hmm. And I was like, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah like, this is not this fun. Is, this is terrible. Yeah. I was like, I don't feel good. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, like, stressed all the time. Like, yeah. I don't mm-hmm. want that. And I grew up in, like, a... Jewish family and my mom is Jewish but it, we were, it wasn't religion it was more just cultural yeah. and so like the food is a big part of that and like showing love through food and cooking and sharing mm. meals right. um, and my mom was very good about being like you are smart and you are cool and you are funny not right. like you are thin and you are beautiful right um, and so I grew up in a very healthful environment in terms of that um, but there's definitely I mean you get sucked into the culture and I'm not perfect in any means. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been doing intuitive eating before I knew what intuitive eating was. Yeah. Um, but I think through kind of my learning is really understanding how weight stigma and fat phobia affects everyone mm-hmm. um, and how like dangerous it is and being in a thin body and having thin privilege. I've been, you know, realizing like even some of my language choices I need to change that mm-hmm. I need to have more of a, like diversified viewpoint on the world and just because like it's easy for me to be like yeah I eat intuitively I eat whatever the fuck I want doesn't mean that someone who's in a larger body can say that with the same ease because right. of the fat phobia and weight stigma that goes on in our yeah. culture right is my long answer to <laughs> no, no. Beautiful. yeah it's a great answer yeah it's really honest yeah. <laughs> um well you know babies when they're born are intuitive eaters and I believe I was one up until the point I think I was like maybe 21 mm-hmm. and then um there's kind of an identity shift and this is you know a disclaimer right now it's not that i believe veganism by any means is a wrong choice or a bad choice or negative in any capacity but i very much took it to the extreme at that age and um it really became sort of an orthorexia subclinical disorder um which kind of means in my terms obsession with perfect nutrition or Mm. preoccupation with perfect nutrition. So I would, you know, only, only eat a hundred percent organic food. I would never have even dreamed of like, I remember living with friends in San Francisco, like just like my punk rock friends. And, you know, I wouldn't even have dreamed of like buying them a gallon of milk to carry back. (laughs) Somebody would have seen that. That would have been the end of it. Like it was just, you know, really self-righteous, almost indignant about it. Um, Mm -hmm. And that was kind of the start of just a lot for me. I I remember if we're even talking about food shame, like being invited to a Christmas home one one day and like having to bring every single item of my own and cooking my entire own meal Mm -hmm. aside from what everyone else was having. I still remember just like wow, like, how did I not, like, think that was a little bit insane? And again, this is not a judgment on veganism, but from where I, went, where I was at when I was really coming from a truly a standpoint, I thought of animal rights and things like that. Totally cool, but, like, just zero flexibility in mm-hmm. any really stretch of the yeah. world, like, to the absolute extreme. And then from there, it just went on to, like, other different ways of raw raw foodism. And, uh-huh, um, yeah. Mm-hmm you know, paleo and all, a lot of things. Cause I did have health issues too. So it's like, I would justify it with my health issues mm. in a way, but I just realized every single time that like it, it only alienated me more from the world. Yeah. Right. And so that's where like, of course now, I mean, being a therapist and, and certainly adopting the DBT way, like the dialectical behavioral way is like, 
you know, finding the balance and everything. They're just, just really trying to get away from either extreme always. Yeah. Mm. And, um, the non-judgmental stance piece has just been huge on that because, you know, you, you know how you guys have used a lot of words that are normal, but shoulds and should nots and all of that. That's just like completely, I've really learned to throw that out the window as much as I can because, I mean, it's just awareness, you know, I'm not, yeah. it's just a tough thing. I think a lot of us kind of grow up with that kind of language. So, mm-hmm. um, it's <laughs> been a, it's been a journey, but you know, I'm grateful again, that it was just kind of more of a subclinical thing and I was able to catch it myself and I didn't need like long-term treatment for it, but I think I've yeah. been able to use it in my practice in a positive way too. So hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, no, that's, that's <laughs> sort of fascinating. I mean, I, uh... Like, speaking of, like, restriction, it seems like a restrictive lifestyle, too. Like, it kind of shuts you out from a lot of things that, you know, other people mm-hmm. are, like, you know, enjoying. And mm-hmm. and there's more of an ease of life when you're not, like, that structured about how you're eating. What would you say, like, did you notice that at the time? Were you thinking, like, oh, this kind of sucks? Or were you just, like, kind of in the mentality of like, no, this is just, everybody should be doing this. No, I don't know why did, they're not. I did notice it. I mean, I remember even just having conversations like, how am I supposed to, you know, be out with people and go to a pizza party and, you know, just thinking like, I can't imagine just having a glass of water sitting across from everybody else. And, you know, I, I do kind of use that too with clients sometimes of yeah. like, if you're in college and you're like hanging out with peeps and they want to go do this thing and you just like simply won't or can't yeah that I mean I wasn't to like that I always figured out kind of but yeah it was kind of an alienation and also was I think that righteousness piece that was not serving me right Mm -hmm. so that was like pretty becoming pretty clear yeah it's interesting like what we can kind of like tell ourselves and the narratives that we build about like behaviors or why we're doing things that always like fascinates me because I just think like I use the word justification again, but, you know, sort of like when when you're really trying to get to the crux of what you're doing, I think that that's, you know, that takes a lot of like self-searching and it takes time and work and energy. And I think that a lot of people just don't have the means to do that or the time. And so you just sort of get into these patterns and then you don't even really know why. So you have to tell yourself a story about why. And I think that that surrounds people's eating patterns a lot. I mean, yeah. it seems to. I know it does with me sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've just like, I don't know. Like, you'll just be like, oh, I I need to just lose a few because I'm not feeling comfortable in my clothes. So, therefore, like, I have to eat this way for this amount of time. But it's usually, like, you know, salads and, like, <laughs> never indulging in anything or, like, taking a month off of drinking or, you know, whatever, like, you do. It's like, but it's always kind of just tied to, like, usually stress or just feeling like something's off and Mm -hmm. you just want to fix something. Mm -hmm. So like, let's just fix it with this. Yeah. That's my number. Like I know that I am stressed when I suddenly, because it's just one more thing like that I'm adding when I'm like, okay, I've got this going on and that I'm super stressed. And when I find myself being like, you know what? And I also don't like how I fit in these clothes anymore. And I need to, when I see myself doing that, I'm like, you're stressed and you want control Mm -hmm. And, like, this is how you're trying to get it by being, like, I can have control over this, mm. you know. Um, but, yeah, it's 
and even being aware of it, like being able to talk about it right now, like kind of almost on like a meta level, right? Mm. We're talking about it, but at the same time, it's like a daily Oh, thing. it's always in your brain. Just always, always, always. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like people make so many food decisions all the time because it's like, you know, you have to like, what am I going to eat today? And what, like, did I meal prep or do I have to grab something quick? Or, you know, like you're just like making all those decisions all the time and it's, it can get stressful in and of itself, just feeding yourself. So like to also add in like, you know, trying to be mindful or, you know, it's just, it can be a lot. And I think that that's why it's easy to kind of get into the patterns of, of listening to the messages that are just, all around you in society and being like, oh, maybe I should go down that path because I don't have time to freaking think about it. Mm -hmm. And like, that must be better for me because that's what everybody else is doing or that's what I'm being told is like good. Yeah. Something that has completely changed my relationship with myself and and my body is um, I stopped on social media uh, following every homogenous kind of like white and women and really started to like make an effort to follow bloggers and influencers and like who looked like me different than me in every you know shape and meaning of the word just different and it has been so incredibly gratifying for for like for me and like for my self-esteem because not only do I love the fashion piece which is why I started doing it in the first place is I was like oh I love how she wears this or that usually that to me and my limited vision was restricted to skinny willowy white women Mm. but now I get to like look at women of color wearing something who are fuller figured and they have their busty like me and I'm like I could totally rock a shirt like that. Mm -hmm. Like she's doing it and she's fucking killing it. Like I too can wear that. And like, then I realized that there's been this whole restrictive, again, the, the fat shame and the fat phobia of like, I'm too fat to wear anything like that. Like my arms are too big. I could never wear. And then like Mm -hmm. just opening up kind of like my, um, collective, like, I don't even know what I want to call it. Like vision, if you will, of like what women actually look like, because I think there's this, mainstream narrative that women look like this mm-hmm. it's made up and it's yeah. bullshit and i don't know a single woman in my life who looks like that mm-hmm. yeah and then yeah oh, well no, i was just gonna say it's interesting because yeah i've started following more people um like diversifying the types of people who i'm following online but definitely on youtube because i watch a lot of youtube but there was this trend for a while and i don't know if it's still happening and i don't know the impetus or why but it was these videos that people were doing called what I eat in a day. Oh God. And I was just like, what is this? Like, <laughs> what is this? Thing. Yeah. Tell, <laughs> tell me your feelings about this. Cause I was so curious. Yeah. yeah it, it's really, cause like one, it doesn't matter if you have the exact same body as someone else, your needs are different mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. a beautiful thing, not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And like, no matter what, it's disordered to compare to what someone ate. And most of the people who are posting that are your thin, like very ultra thin, like fit women. Yeah. And they're like, eat this and you'll look like me. I'm like, uh-huh. even if every single human on this earth ate and moved in the exact same way, we would still have body diversity. Right. And so, thank God. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. Yay. <laughs> yeah. And so there's a bunch of eating disorder clinicians who've shifted that, like what I ate Wednesday to why I ate Wednesday. Um, oh. And it's not about what they consumed, but like 
why you need to fuel your body and like that's mm-hmm. yeah, in so many different ways and yeah so. yeah no that's that's interesting because i never thought about it in that context it is sort of this aspirational thing of like oh if you like uh admire this person and you see what they eat and then you just try to emulate that it's like everybody's different like that's mm-hmm. not you shouldn't yeah model your own eating after someone else's yeah, yeah for sure that's interesting and your body's going to tell you what it wants. Do you know what it is? Yeah. So you listen to your body. So it's like, okay, well, you know, Elle McPherson says that I need it, which is such a dated reference. <laughs> yeah. <but> like, <laughs> wow, really like hard. Old one. Wow. Not the Ireland says that. Um, well, who do the kids, the, the Hadids, the kids like the Hadids. Yes. And the Kardashians. And the Kardashians. Yeah. Oh, the worst offenders. The fucking yeah. worst. Uh-huh. I, I don't ever want to hear the two words waste trainer ever again in my life. Skinny lollipop. Mm. What is that? She got in a lot of trouble for it, thank God. But it's a lolly- appetite suppressant lollipop. Eesh. Just insane. Mm-hmm. Eat somebody the would... best appetite suppressant, everyone. Ready? Eat something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chew, 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 and yeah. swallow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what, do you th- what do you know? But I think something, I think... One of you said, but like, I think you were talking about like I had health issues, so it was like helping me fuel it, but health is also mental health. Mm-hmm. And so like, even if like you have celiac disease and you can't have gluten because you're going to have a really yucky reaction to it, if that's going to cause you like extreme mental health issues mm-hmm. and you can handle the physical side effects of eating gluten, then eat gluten, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Like, but having that flexibility, even within, you know, food intolerances obviously with like aphylactic allergies like right. maybe not go there sure like there's a way to ha- you have to balance the mental health side of it with your physical health mm. and a lot of the claims that these documentaries are saying and these fad diets are, are not based in real science they're based in pseudoscience and they're like spinning things and using very subjective or animal tested not human tested mm-hmm. statistics to spin it out to make it sound more appealing mm. so I think that that's important too to know that your health also includes your mental health yeah so as clinicians who specialize in this if you say we've got some listeners right now who are struggling with a lot of shame about I feel so bad that I ate all of the fill in the blanks at work. For example, today um, at work, we're doing Secret Santa and a lot of it is food. And so people are just, there's food everywhere and it's a goddamn delight. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's also with that, of course, a lot of like, ooh, I need to cut back on that or I shouldn't eat that or no. And um, so for people who are struggling with that right now in terms of being exposed to more savory and sweet treats than they usually are what would you say what i mean like you know i'll let you go first (laughs) i mean i think it's going back to this idea that like there's no shoulds there's like even like i struggle with this too like that language piece of like i say treats all the time because it's like a true treat for me to eat it not because it's a special thing Mm. but like even words like indulging right Mm -hmm. like or you're just eating food. Like, can we just, like, simplify it? Yeah. Can we just trust the fact that even if you ate 72 cookies, that, like, you're going to be okay. You're probably yeah. going to have a stomachache. You're probably not going to feel super awesome. But, like, yeah. it's not going to change, again, your value as a person or your worthiness as a person and trying to separate those things out, which is extremely complicated. I'm not trying to, like, oversimplify this. Right. But also, like, getting support, having someone, like, who's not like entrenched in the diet culture, be a supporter to you in these moments of like, it's okay. Like you're okay. It doesn't matter. Like this is 
the least interesting thing that we could talk about right now. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. yes, your struggle is important, but like, do we have to talk about how many calories are in the pecan pie or can we just like enjoy it and talk about your life and your successes and what you're excited about? Right. Yeah. Um, I think we as women and people who identify as female and men too, who are struggling with need to just do better about diversifying our conversation mm-hmm. topics. Yeah. It's bullshit sure. because I feel like, again, like, you know, the whole thing, like I was saying earlier about my, like being exposed to so many female clients who are like kind of like so distracted by this weight thing, like this inner feminist conspiracy theorist comes out mm-hmm. of me, right? I'm like, fuck them. They made us so distracted by this that you make an excellent point. You're mm-hmm. sitting there, you should be enjoying the pie, talking to your friend about like what's going on in your life. And instead, the majority of the conversation you have while eating the pie is about how shitty you feel about eating the mm-hmm. fucking pie. Right. And it's like, then you don't mm-hmm. even deserve, you feel, or sorry, you don't even enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then you feel like, oh, I shouldn't have had it. I don't deserve it and it's like it's not a question of deserve yeah well there is a side too where like I I think that I mean eating is obviously very necessary but it also is emotional and I think that that's hard because our emotions are so complex and they you know get intertwined in so many ways but it's a joyful thing like when you're eating something delicious like just to find like pure joy in the eating of that is is awesome but I think that we kind of get these messages too that like indulgence for mm-hmm. lack of a better word is like kind of selfish and taboo mm-hmm. and if you're it's truly technology. enjoying something that like that you're doing something wrong I love that you bring the emotional piece up because I think a big part of this is remembering or, or maybe learning that I think a lot of us grew up or even recently thought like um, emotional eating has a stigma to it as well. Yeah, that's bad. Right. But it's actually there's something wrong with you. A very normal thing. Right. Let me say that one more time. <laughs> emotional eating is actually an okay thing to do. You know, the whole thing is about also though trying to find other ways to have outlets as well that can right. just be only the thing because then it's not, you know, it can become maladaptive at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And then also just, again, bringing it back to like mindfulness and the non-judgmental stance. If we could have more awareness of these should kind of words in our mm-hmm. head mm-hmm. with what you're talking about, um, I think that would bring a lot of attention to it. And then we can sort of let them go a bit more. Yeah. And then also more objectivity with it. So, okay, I had that should or like that judgment, you know, phrase around food. Or I could just say food is food is food is food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this brownie is the same as if I had a steak or a, I mean, this is just energy like you're talking about. And then really taking it more to an objective level when you have it in front of you versus this is a good food or this is a bad food. Like we're just very in the eating disorder world. Just you don't hear about it because like there's no such thing in our in our minds. Yeah. Or in the way that we teach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but it's not easy. It's yeah, not easy. It's, I, it sounds freeing, but it sounds like it would be work. You know what I mean? Work. Yeah, like it's very not accepted in a lot of the yeah, societies. So sure. it's countercultural, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, I guess I never thought about it that way either. Yeah, that's it's it's funny because I think that it, when we're talking about it and using should language and all that, mm-hmm. it's like. We just use the language that's like dominant in our society and it's it's hard to sort of find those areas and, and communities that like kind of reframe your thinking and, you know, 
open your eyes a little bit or like make you say like, oh, I should have kind of thought about this from a different perspective. Like it doesn't have to be this one way. There's so many other ways to like enjoy and think about and talk about food and our bodies and all of that stuff. That's like, yeah, kind of saying fuck you to the <laughs> the norm, yeah. which yeah, I, I really would like to do yeah. more of. It's funny, like, all this talking about food, my stomach's growling. Yeah. Like, I haven't had dinner, and I'm just, like, <laughs> as soon as I brought up ice cream, it, it's been all I've been thinking about ever since. I've got some if you want some later. Oh, I, I just go for it. Yeah. Um, so I just, um, I want to just really quickly um, say how valuable the work that you both do is, and it means a lot to us that you would take the time to be here with us to talk yes. about this. So fun. And mm -hmm. also just that I kind of want both of you in, in my pocket or purse always. Yeah. So that when I start doing that bullshit mean self-talk, I can be like, what would Edie and Mia say about this? Well, can and I blow can you your mind us? for a second? Yeah. yeah, I was just going to say through your phone, they are in your pocket or purse. <laughs> That's and if right. You, <laughs> and if you follow their social medias, they are bringing up this stuff on the regular and being really like it's affirmational true. and like, really strong good messages that I'm always just like yeah man yeah, I didn't Edie. think about it that way <laughs> Edie, Edie yeah. does that I'm, yeah, I'm very yeah. hyper focused on myself <laughs> yeah. but, you know Edie's really good about those messages but, but you I'm doing it what's your handle yeah it's like for uh, Edie Stark Therapy it's E-D-I-E Stark S-T-A-R-K Therapy um on Instagram and it's also Facebook but I honestly never go yeah, on Facebook. So. Your Instagram is great. I love yeah. it. Mm -hmm. I love it not only as a clinician because I'm inspired by it, but I'm also like a woman trying to survive in 2019. And I see things and I'm like, that's right, Edie. <laughs> They're like, that's the whole point. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Best of both. And then also, you know, you're saying that you don't have your... <laughs> I don't have like a, a mental health Instagram. I mean, I don't have one that's like really based on my work. You know but you've I mean? also got like a very passionate Instagram, which is your band. So I want you to promote that a little <laughs> yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, we're at Rosa Rosa. Uh, music and yeah. we're going to be playing in January and I'm very excited I'm not going to say potentially with who because I'm not sure yet yeah but um, we're like a shoegazy band in San Diego and I really like it yeah I'm excited I'm to see you check it out <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. it's gonna be fun and then um, when are you coming back for your new season? Oh, yeah. Let, them, let us put you on We're putting pressure on you now. Yeah, I think we, by the end of January... We will at least have one episode out. Okay. Excellent. And where can folks go to listen to Breaking Down the podcast? On all of your podcasting mm -hmm. varietals, but iTunes is probably the easiest to find mm -hmm. it on because it's the most listened there, so it like will pop up quicker, but it's just Breaking Down the Podcast. Breaking Down, like little, what is it called? Colon. Colon. Podcast. The podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there's two seasons up there. If you want to listen, our first season sound quality is <laughs> abysmal, but like, as we said, like, might do that shame. And the content is great. Yeah. Um, but our second season is where we really came alive. We had really awesome guests. Our shame one was listened to the most. Continues to be listened to to this day. I got oh, notifications. Awesome. Oh, that yeah. makes me excited. So, so yeah, that. we will come back. And guys, I just want to say, like, I, I love your show so much, and I tell Thank as many people thanks. as I can about it, and I'd like to continue that. So, I mean, you guys are just so hilarious. It's out of this world. That's I, nice oh, of you that's to say, so nice. we don't know, like, we're just, we oscillate between 
being like, that was a good one when we get done. And we're like, I felt like we were on. And then sometimes we get done and I'm like, like I don't why? know what the fuck that was. Like, <laughs> exactly. I, I'm sorry, I talked a lot about Been there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I'm like, I hope that translates well. Oh, why did I just go on all those random tangents? I don't know. <laughs> when you're releasing, when you're talking about shameful, quote unquote, topic, like, yeah. a part of your brain gets, like, activated. You're like, oh, I can talk about this. This is a release. And so totally. that's where a tangential thought comes in the most, I think. Yeah. When you're trying to get it out and you're doing it in a healthful way of it out. I have yeah. definitely found that to be the case for sure. Yeah. Sometimes like it's funny because sometimes we'll sit down and we'll be like, okay, we haven't really prepared. We're just going to talk. We're just going to go for it. And we, I'm like, I don't think I'm going to have anything to say. And then once we get started, I'm like all of these things, I'm like, oh yeah, that, and like, that ties to that. And oh, okay. It's, it's crazy how that happens because you don't know that you're holding yeah. all of that mm-hmm. in yourself until you start talking about it. Well, a lot of it's, like, buried. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, you don't think you have much to say. And, like, you're saying, and then suddenly, like, there's freedom to talk about it. And you're like, and another thing about yeah. that while yeah. I'm at it. You know? Yeah. I actually find the best therapy sessions for both me as a client and when I'm working with the therapist are when either I go in or the client goes in saying, like, I don't really have much to talk about today. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, we're going to have a banging session. <laughs> yeah. Get on board. Let's go. I just went through that with my therapist and like we both laughed about it because I sat down and I was like I don't know I was like I feel like things are going pretty good so tears were coming later <laughs> yeah. there was anger I left like <laughs> making a voice recording note on my iPhone to like remember these things that were said and like and I went in like yeah like I'm doing great and I am, I am doing great and I was doing great in the moment but it was almost like I wasn't ready yet to talk about those things mm. until suddenly there it was. Mm-hmm. And the moment was there and the time was right and it just felt really good. But sometimes we get in our own way, you yes, know, and we try sure. to like prevent ourselves from going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a really one last thing I just want to ask uh, of you guys is um, if there are people listening who are kind of uh, excited by the interview and like they, you know, I'm sure it resonates, resonates with almost everyone. Where would you recommend that folks start? Are there blogs or Instas or books? Mm. What do you, what would you yes, recommend? Some resources. Um, I would say Intuitive Eating by Evelyn Triboyle and Triboli, and then I Triboli. think I'm not sure the other gal's name. I feel bad. Yeah. She's like the front runner. Her social media is also amazing. She's fabulous. Um, the Fuck It Diet by Caroline Dooner. Um, she is one of my most favorite people. I've become friends with her through Instagram. And awesome. she is, like, her Instagram also is just fabulous. She's not a clinician, and she wrote this book about, like, saying no to diet culture. And so she backs it with both scientific stuff, but it's really easy to read, and it's her personal story. I love this It's title. an amazing book. Yeah. It's, it's, that sounds It's, like, really, I give it to all of my clients as a recommendation because mm-hmm. it's, like, Intuitive eating is amazing, but it's a little dense mm-hmm. and it's like very kind of scientific, which is great. But yeah. this one is like that personified. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, There's one little caveat. She does kind of, I think she's retracted this now, yeah, but she, she, she kind of teases on intuitive eating because she admits later that she wasn't fully informed about it. So I just mm-hmm. want you guys to, anyone who's listening, like this book is really important, the fuck it diet and you know, she's even retracted some of the state just a little bit about like her, you know, kind of criticism of that. But mm. intuitive eating is such an important book too. And I would also say Health at Every yeah. Size Linda by Bacon. Doctor Health Linda at Bacon. Every Size. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's great. like all of these have great titles. Yeah, they do. 
I'll let every size is a whole like uh, I don't, movement's the wrong word. But yeah, no, it is. It's like uh, people are getting trained in it now, which I'm hoping to do once they like finalize how to do that. But it's basically this idea that you can. It's about health behaviors, not about um, weight loss. So okay. like you can be in any body size and still work towards health behaviors. Mm-hmm. Not it's not healthy at every size. It's just health promoting mm-hmm. behaviors. So it's amazing. Connections like, with friends, being outside, movement that feels joyful, um, yeah. like those things that promote mental and physical health. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, without the stupid weight stigma attached to it. I I use this book a lot with um. It's my supervisor, Dr. Angela Klein, wrote this book called mindful eating from the dialectical perspective research and application so she's a dbt expert and she uses she wrote this book solely based on working through like binge eating and eating Mm -hmm. disorder behaviors and using a diary card which i know this all this language is maybe foreign to some people but um just being very skillful when having urges Mm -hmm. um and it's really helpful i I use it a lot so another one to think about yeah sound like really good resources yeah Yeah, and we could keep going going (laughs) but i think too like if you really feel like you and i think everyone benefits from therapy so like yeah googling you know eating disorder therapists even if you don't think you have an eating disorder just someone who's coming from that um training and mindset i think Mm -hmm. is imperative because there's some people who are unknowingly or willfully doing harm by you know, as a therapist, we should never, ever be giving dietary recommendations mm, or weight loss recommendations, but there's people who are just uninformed. Um, so just if you come from that criteria, I think you're going to get a better fit. Yeah. I think that's great advice. Yeah, definitely. Wow. Well, this wow. Was amazing. It was amazing. Thank, Thank you, you so guys. Yeah. so fast. It, I know. It always goes by so fast. I'm like, I have more to say. <laughs> but we definitely will have to have you guys back on because it's always a delight having conversations Whoa. with you. And, you know, of course, we'll do it off the podcast, too. Yeah. But, yeah. Thank you so much Thank for coming. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for, like, kickstarting our whole yeah. journey. Yeah. No, serious. Seriously. Like, we do. We owe you, you a lot. responsible. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and so, um, and let's all make a little resolution if if you're listening or if you're sitting at this coffee table Mm -hmm. to be a little bit kinder to ourselves a little bit gentler to ourselves and I really like Edie's advice that you know if you're hungry then eat something yeah yeah Yeah. 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 it's mind-blowing yeah you're hungry eat something chew 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 and swallow yeah Yeah. Um, and enjoy the holidays everybody yeah Yeah, absolutely get that tray of desserts if you want them yeah, and I challenge you that if you are enjoying a quote-unquote treat or something you wouldn't normally eat with someone and you find yourself talking about the act of eating or, uh, you know, shift the dialogue. Yeah. Ask them how work is going. Oh, no, don't ask that. No, no, no. That's a terrible question. I would say just think about the joy that you're getting from all the delicious butter. Yeah, in the company, right? In the company, yeah. Yeah. And how nice it is to sit across from someone and get to enjoy something together. Absolutely. Um, You can check us out online at Mm shamepod.com. And socials at shamepod. Um, And yeah, take good care of yourself. And um, we are, I think we're going to come to you next week on Christmas Eve. We're going to do a wrap up and that's the season finale. And that's the season finale. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, thanks for listening. Thank you. Okay, we'll talk to you in a week. Bye. 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 Yay, we did it.